We Will Not Be Tamed, a Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation podcast that encourages all Texans to get involved in conserving the wild things and wild places of our state. I'm Lydia Saldana with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, and we're here at uh, Spoke Hollow with two of our good friends, Josh Crumpton, who's CEO of Spoke Hollow Outfitters, and Edgar Diaz with the Sightline Provisions. And of course, they're both We Will Not Be Tamed ambassadors. And it's lovely, lovely to be out with you guys on a, a nice day here in Wimberley. Oh, yeah. It's nice yeah. and cool. It's July. <laughs> it's, yeah, for July, hey, it is cool. This is great weather for July. It's the low 90s. The fact that we can be outside. Yeah. So we could cover a lot of ground here, but what I'd like to talk with you two about is the topic of mentorship, what that means to each of you, and how your relationship is kind of wrapped up in a mentoring relationship. And I guess, Edgar, I want to talk, start with you and just tell me a little bit about how Josh has been your mentor. Well, um, you know, we met in, on September 1st, yeah, we did. 2019. <laughs> so we're coming up on our friend anniversary in about a month and a half. And I was invited to go on a dove hunt by my friend and our mutual friend, uh, Davin Topol. And I had never really, you know, pursued or tried to shoot an animal on purpose, you know, or try to hunt. And um, it was one of those things that for some reason struck me as like, well, you know, I'm in the fly fishing industry. I've I've established this brand that's an outdoor brand and I thought well you know part of this is exploring and trying to find new things to do and, 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 and new ways to connect to nature and obviously you know shooting a bird some people would not like that but for, for the most part it was more of like seeing that connection between your food and your and, and, and what you're hunting and so that's how I met Josh at about 5 30 in the morning yeah outside my uh, house outside his house <laughs> you know and we all got in a car and went to the dove lease and so wait a minute let me back up because of course you you fly fished all over the world so mm -hmm. did you wake up one day and say i want to hunt or how did that how did that before we get to the yeah. meeting him in the morning i didn't really necessarily seek it out but a lot of people would say we should really explore the hunting side of the outdoor marketplace and I don't really like to make too many I don't like to make many decisions based off of what I'm going to make monetarily through my business I really want it to be sincere and so I thought I think that might have been like the well you know if I'm going to if I'm going to start exploring the side of my business I should at least try it and see what it what I think of it and so there was that curiosity and I think Davin probably picked up on that and uh, if you've ever been on a dove hunt or anyone that's been on a dove hunt, you know, there's a lot of camaraderie and kind of a really nice uh, community, fun, you know, go out and obviously hunt, hunt for birds. And it seemed like a great way to kind of like enter into this world of hunting. And um, so I didn't know anything about Josh. Yeah. I was just invited to come along with a bunch of friends and I didn't know anyone. <laughs> So this is, you said 5.30 in the morning? No. What? Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, our friend Davin um, reached out to me, and this was um, early on in Spokalo Outfitters as well. Um, and he said, hey, I've got this friend. His name's Edgar Diaz. He's got this company, Sightline Provisions. Um, I, I really want you to take him out and take him dove hunting. And I was like, okay, well, I'd, I'd love to take someone dove hunting. And 
and he's like, let's do it on opening day. And I was like, okay. I don't normally take mentors out on opening day. <laughs> That's usually like my, my day to like just sit. I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's do that. That'll be a lot of fun. And I didn't know Edgar either. Uh, he sent me a link to his business and I looked at what Edgar was doing and I was like, man, this is cool. Dude. This is really cool. He's doing great <laughs> stuff. And like, you know, I mean, if I can usher this guy into the world of hunting, that'd be really, it'd be really fun, you know, cause it looks like he's been very impactful in the world of fishing at this point in time. So 5.30 AM or five, uh, they pulled up. I don't even think we talked. No, I just got in a in Tahoe. <laughs> I was like, a bunch of guns and a bunch of dudes I don't know. It's like a like, really oh, weird God. blind date. Really <laughs> I mean, there were at least six people in the in the car because I think your son, Jordan, was in there. Yeah. And some other friends. Chase. And Chase. Evan. I don't remember who I was. Yeah, there. it was kind of like, oh my God, this is, because we, it's dark. We don't barely yeah. see each other. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, uh, and then what happened? <laughs> well, we sat in a blind together. We, you and I sat in, yeah. and we, I built blinds on this, on this spot. We put up camo and, you know, I remember we sat down and I was like, okay, so. Here's right. the deal. Yeah, I did. I, ga- <laughs> I gave you the safety talk. I yeah. think, I'm sure. Of course actually. you did. Yes. Yeah. And I think we talked about like, okay, don't be frustrated. If you can't hit the birds, because doves are really hard they to hit. Will, they fly really fast. Oh, yeah. They yeah. do. It helps when they're going right towards you, though. <laughs> At least you have a little bit. We were in a good position. I put us in, like, the best position in the field. And, you know, it was it was interesting. I was like, well, don't get frustrated. And we, we talked about, like, philosophically about hunting and why mm. and the social aspects of dove hunting. And, and um Edgar, I was kind of like thinking, well, he's probably not going to shoot any dove today. Maybe he'll hit one. I think he wound up shooting like six or seven six, dove. Yeah. 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 Out of, but out who's of, counting? Out of like maybe like eight or nine shots. Oh, please. Maybe it was more. Was yeah, it 90? The, maybe it was 80 or 90. I, would, I, I remember, <laughs> yeah, I, I used quite a bit of... Uh, of ammo? Of ammo. I remember it much differently than you. You did really well. we'll, well. go with your version. That's yeah, I think you should have. I would have just let that <laughs> it ride. It probably was like the best time of it, best dove hunt I've ever had. It was my first. Yeah. Numbers wise. Yeah. It was really fun. It was a blast. So, yeah. so that was the first time you had hunted? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd hunted with my father, as we had talked about in a previous podcast. Yeah. Um, me uh, beside him as he we were stalking a deer, but in terms of you know really getting out there with 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 I would consider big ammo versus like a twenty two or like a air air rifle. This was like the first time I was going out with the intent to shoot something and then to eat it. Which you know aside from my when my father took me, it was like okay, I'll go with you. I wasn't really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, yeah, I'll do it. It'll be- so did, were you intimidated by the firearms at all? Or did you I mean, practice? Yeah, I, think, you- I, think, <clears throat> I think guns are always not necessarily intimidated. You just, I just respect them. I respect the fact that this is, uh, you know, it's, it's a gun. You know, whether it be a 9mm or a, or a shotgun, it's just, it could kill someone. And so I think that's always kind of kept me a little bit at bay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am a gun owner, but I don't really take my gun out very often. And but going out recreationally and going at in 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 doing something with it, that was kind of foreign to me. So, so what was that like for you? It sounds like it was a successful hunt for you. It was. It was a little scary because you're sitting there thinking, okay, so when do I shoot? And like, of course, when the birds are within view, but that could be a lot. It could, they could be 50 feet out. They could be 30 feet out. 
you don't want to shoot too soon. You don't want to shoot, you don't want to maim a bird. Okay. You want to kill it. So that was a little bit of a, you know, the little, a little nervous. A little, oh, definitely nervous. Um, but you know, I was hanging out with Josh and then Davin was with me for a while. And like when that sun came up and it was just really, you could see the, 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 the fun where you like, you know, someone over there is going to push some birds cause the birds are coming in from a different direction. You pick on that, you pick up on that really quick. And you realize, okay, those birds are going to come over here because they maybe got two or three. And those, be the ready, rest of them, right? Yeah, be ready. It's <laughs> yeah. coming. Um, so the nervousness really, uh, as I got to know everyone, just melted away. Yeah. I mean, by that e by the afternoon, we were at, back at the ranch, you know, cleaning all the birds. And it was, you know, like I was with a bunch of, like, six friends. Yeah. So, Josh, what was that like for you? And when you're in that situation with a mentee, what, yeah. do you, what are you trying to get across? What are you... You know, with dove hunting, I'm really just trying to convey gun safety and having a good time. And then post, you know, the thing about dove hunting is it's such a good injury sport, like um, Edgar was saying, because it's social. You know, you really, it's about camaraderie. It's about family. And my objective is to give them all of the tools and knowledge to do it safely and to be there to help make sure that they're implementing those tools and then to be there to make sure that they have a good time and that they connect with the idea of this is food. That's the first objective. I don't dive off into the conservation or any of those things at that point in time. Maybe a little bit, touch here and there, but, but not deep. This is like, let me show you how this can get onto your plate. And so when we came back to the ranch, we were cleaning Dove. I think we made a meal. Mm -hmm. I had my, my boys were on the deck. My, at that time they were eight and six and they were cleaning dove alongside edgar oh yeah and, and was that was another <laughs> experience because i'm like I mean, you know you're butchering an animal you're cleaning you know, these animals and you're just like oh gosh i'm gonna this is not really what i'm looking for how is to. that different from a fish from cleaning a fish but i don't really clean fish because I, I, I catch and release okay. for the most part okay, okay. um <clears throat> But I did clean some trout when we you were know, growing up. You yeah. know, we'd catch, a, you know, on the Kern River, we'd catch mm -hmm. some rainbows and clean them and eat them. But I was never a big fish person. But to watch these kids just ripping the heads off and cleaning, and you're like, okay, now I, I can't really, like, say, like, hey, guys, I'm not really into this. Because, A, <laughs> I shot some of these birds. Yeah. You can't just cut out and just not experience the whole thing. Yeah. And probably within 10, 15 minutes, I felt, comfortable doing it where i can actually and i was learning like you know they were walking me through like this is what you do this is how you cut it this is how you you know you got it and and so that was interesting too because that was a whole other part of this hunting side that i had like i was getting a crash course on hunting within six hours of meeting josh yeah and, and of course at this point you'd been in texas for quite a few yeah, years. 13 years. So you 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 understood this thing about dove hunting in Texas, right? I mean, oh, yeah. you knew it was a yeah. thing, and here you are experiencing it, right? Yeah, yeah. That was you know I, I've had people say, hey, "You want to go dove hunting?" I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to kill a bird. And for some reason, this time I did. <laughs> but again, it was it was. I love birds. I mean, uh, I've been in your backyard. I mean, you've been in my backyard. <laughs> you got the bird feeders. We, uh, my my daughter and I are, are getting into birding, and and I've got another friend who's really into birding, but he's a he's a hunter too. So it's a bird hunter. Armed bird watching. Yeah, it's like bird watching with a with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> no, you I, do have to watch think, out because you might shoot. You don't want to shoot the wrong bird. I think that it is the convergence of consumptive and non-consumptive usage of of a resource, and the consumptive 
portion can fund so much of the non-consumptive, the bird watching, because we haven't really figured out how to monetize the bird watching to a point to support conservation the same way hunting has. And explain what you mean. I mean, I know what you mean, but explain yeah. what you mean when you say that monetize that that hunting yeah. monetizes well, conservation. Well, whether it you be through that. the Robert <clears throat> Pittman Act and the, and the taxes that are coming back off of. Um, the license sales, the, uh, the the ammo sales, firearm sales, those things are coming back directly to conservation. And, and that's, that's the a, federal law, yes. Pittman-Robertson. Yeah, that, that, that's, yeah the that's, federal law. Right, right. And so that, that federal law allows, you know, hunting to, to support conservation. And there's not a similar law in, in bird watching. And you really just have to, you know, buy a pair of binoculars and a book and go out. And so... It's very hard to figure out how do we transition to having that non-consumptive, um, non-licensed and regulated usage of the resources um, support conservation. Right, and of so. course there is an effort right now at the congressional level, federal level, for the Recovering American Wildlife Act that we might get at that, but yeah. it hadn't passed yet. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully it will. Yeah, so. and then of course there's hunting license sales that directly mm -hmm. support the conservation activities of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department yeah. that, that then comes back to the conservation of what we of what we you know hunt and fish and all of that stuff but yeah. to your point there isn't the similar <clears throat> not on the non-consumptive right. side which right. is which you know is, is is so it's really cool when you see because a lot of people say in Audubon there's a lot of people who are like ah, I don't want to shoot and I'm not okay with shooting birds and it's great to see someone like Edgar who appreciates bird watching and also appreciates hunting because that's, I think, where the future of, of conservation lies is in an overlap between those two things. So that first experience you said was in 2019. Yeah. And here we are just two years later. Mm -hmm. And I understand you've had a few additional experiences since then. <laughs> yeah, so I did not want to shoot a deer. <laughs> well, Josh is like progressing me to the next level, which was quail here on the ranch. How was that? I mean, that was, uh, that again was, you know, you kind of, you kind of broke the seal with the dove and then um, knowing that a quail will yield you more meat, a bigger, a bigger bird was like, oh, that'll be really cool. I'm excited to do this. And so um, in November, was it November when we went the first time? Well, yeah, because we, I think um, it was just getting cool enough to put, to, to actually do the hunt. Uh, you know, we did a, we did a great exercise where we had uh, one of our um, one of my ambassadors, uh, Hillary Hutchison, and she's a big time rafting guide and fly fishing guide up in uh, Glacier, um, in Montana, and she I invited her out to basically come do her first quail and, and pheasant hunt here with Josh because kind of like I was I was just yeah. barely out of the womb but I was bringing another person overlapping out, his know? first real his first yeah. real full hunt yeah time. and that was really really neat to experience that with her um and then feel like I had brought someone that's a steward of the wild conservation you know minded and such a it's just just an overall great person and and to kind of bring her along not as a mentor but as like hey I want you to experience this and she was all in um, so we did the whale hunt. We did, I, I, you know, shot my first pheasant here. But I think um, you're just, so in between that quail hunt and the dove hunt, I will say that Edgar and I really got to know each other. We yeah. talked a lot. 
and we talked about. You both like to talk. We, we this do. is my observation. We do like to talk. <laughs> but we talked about we talked about <laughs> conservation. We got into those deep level con- conversations about why you hunt, why that's part of a management tool. I mean, this was not like a just we dove hunted then we upland hunted. I'd, I'd say we spent oh. 60 hours talking. Yeah. At least fishing. Fishing. Yeah, we fished together yeah. too. And then we went upland hunting here. Mhm. Um, and it and when and I was really clear with him that this place was a campus, a training ground. This is a preserve. We release birds here. These are birds that are introduced. But it's a good place to learn. And it would be interesting to hear Edgar sort of inform on what that was like, you know, him metabolizing the idea that these are preserved birds, that this is an educational opportunity, and how that fits into the, to where we went from there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, for that first season, I was... You know, I would be at the studio, be about three o'clock. Josh would call me. Hey, we're going to walk the dogs. You know, you want to come out? And And of course, you're in Dripping Springs for what? That's half an hour away. Yeah, half an hour away from from my studio door to getting out of the truck here. And so we'd probably walk a field probably once a week for the first season. I mean, Mm -hmm. and, and you tell anyone that they're like, you got to hunt every day, like once a week, just on the afternoon. It's a pretty big deal. And it was part of, I think, Josh's way of introducing you. Like, okay, I've got this person who's interested. And then it's like, I got to do this exercise anyways. Why don't you come along and be part of it? And I kind of learned a lot about the ranch that way too. And then, um, and so, you know, of course we fished all summer. Mm -hmm. And then the following year we did the dove hunt again, had a great time. And uh Quail, the quail started to come in um, where we you know, obviously did the preserve hunts. And it and wasn't me calling him anymore. It was him calling me. Hey, you gonna go? Are you gonna go walk a field this week? What are you doing? I was like, Yeah, come on, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and part of this was learning about the West Texas operation that he has in um, in Alpine, which was to hunt wild birds, native and wild. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like that year and a half was a good like understanding more about what I was going to be actually doing um, in, in, in trying to pursue these other wild birds. And before that trip, we did a, a deer hunt, which I had told him, he had been trying to tell me like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do turkey. We're going to, we're going to progress up the food chain here or the, the sizes. And I said, I can't shoot a deer. I just, I live, I live amongst them. And I just felt kind of like weird about they're but my it, friends. They're, they're my, my friends. friends. They're That's my what friends. he said. They're my friends. But hey, I'm a meat eater, and so it's like obviously that you know, kind of a hypocrite there. And I'm like, all right, you know what? And then when he invited me out, I said no, and he mm-hmm. totally accepted it. And I think I called you out of the blue on Sunday evening. Said, okay, I yes. I want to do it. <laughs> I want to do it. And we went and sat in a blind, and it was a managed hunt. Yeah. He actually caught me off guard because I I went from an intermediary step, and I said, do you want to come out and and watch us process it. Oh, yeah. And then he calls me and he's like, no, I want to do it. And I was like, oh, you want to come out to, to watch us process No, I want to come hunt a deer. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Was and, you know, away. I had a conversation with my wife and she was like, hey, if this is what you want to do, it's it's on you. Because hunting is not her favorite thing for me to do, but she also has understood it and, got, and gotten to appreciate it more than, especially when you're bringing food home and mm-hmm. she's like, wow. And then I go and prepare it and like, well, not only did you you know, shoot this bird, but you made it for dinner. 
that's pretty cool. And she kind of, she's starting to understand that. And I think I had brought a piece of, of, of venison that Josh had mm-hmm. gave me and I prepared it. And when she ate it, she thought, this is really good. I'm like, that's venison. Mm-hmm. And so when I told her this, she was like, mm, if you want to do it, go do it. And I'll tell you right now, the day after, the day of the kill, you know, we, we started harvesting it and, and butchering it. And I took home some of the, what's, what's the tenderloin? The tenderloin. The, yeah, the, yeah. And I made that one of those and everyone freaked out. <laughs> like, this is the best tasting meat I've ever had. And it was a younger, it was a younger, younger, younger deer. So yeah. it was probably a lot more tender, but it was really good. And then I came back the next day and finished the whole processing and, and butchering of the animal. And that was probably what, 12 hours of work. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. It's but that I, learning time takes a I was time learning as I was going. And, of course, the freeze hit the following week, so I felt pretty manly. <laughs> That's <laughs> always a good feeling, right? <laughs> I, had freezer, I had a freezer full of food. You were ready. So I felt like yeah. I was ready for this. Yeah. But um, that was a great experience because when I went out and we see the deer, I felt when I, sh- when I shot this animal, there's a picture that Josh took of me looking over the deer, the dead deer. And in my mind, like the gun slinged over my shoulder and I'm just almost like looking at it going, okay, what do I do now? Which under normal circumstances, if I had decided to be a hunter on my own, I would probably be freaking out thinking, how do I begin this process of turning this into food? And, you know, we, we, we got the deer in the ATV. We took it to where we were going to begin the butchering process. And I remember still feeling that same feeling of like, ugh, I gotta see, uh, I gotta cut this animal open, yuck, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, the moment the knife went through, and you start seeing um, the 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 parts, the 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 cuts of meat, and how this works into this, and how it became totally different. I lost all sense of. And what an incredible miracle that, oh. all, that we and all animals are. I mean, it is a miracle. And and then and, and it made me even a pre, like, I'm going to try to get as much meat out of this animal as possible because I want to, not waste. I don't want to waste it. it. And so that was really interesting because I went from really um, iffy and not looking forward to it to all of a sudden curious and wanting to really harvest as much as I can out of that. And... Um, and that was that was that was a turn, it, and it was like a switch, it like a light switch went off. And I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. We're, you know, this is going to be this, this is going to be that, and then that, you know, that's where I went with that uh, for a larger animal. And then two weeks later, a week later, we went to West Texas hunting for a smaller animal, which is the um, scaled quail, and being really frustrated with how fast they were and how much they ran, and they don't like to fly, so you don't want, I don't want to shoot them on the floor i don't want to shoot them on the ground um and so we went with a group of guys we did a trip out of it and uh we saw some of our guests got their got their bird and it was really cool and i think we hiked 30 miles that day and a half two (laughs) days yeah up and down this crazy you know west texas terrain and i was again floored because i looked up and i go i gotta climb that mountain and i gotta scale and not only that one but i had like four more in, <laughs> in succession and you just do it and afterwards you're like wow i just did like 18 miles of not easy hiking with a gun in my hand chasing these birds and it was kind of another surreal experience which hunting takes you to these different places that you just don't think you're gonna be at 
for me because uh, I wasn't that experienced at it, and it was it was amazing. And you got a you got you got a blue quail out there too. Well, I got a rabbit. Yeah, you did get a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> it was one day we were thinking, oh God, can't. There's nothing we've seen here. He did. He shot a rabbit. <laughs> And and we co- it got cooked into a pizza. Oh yeah, and it was really delicious. rabbit pizza. Yeah. Okay, so the yeah. chef told me. I want this. <laughs> this, is, this is what the, the chef said. Oh, you saw a rabbit. You should, <laughs> you, you should shoot it. Was really it. good. I'll make it for for lunch, and I said great, because we saw rabbits, and we were because we were chasing. They're easier than the quail. Well, I see a rabbit, and I shoot it, and I bring it back, and I show her my jackrabbit. <laughs> she said, I thought you meant a cottontail. Not a jackrabbit. <laughs> what do you, you want me to do? You shot the wrong rabbit. I shot the wrong type of rabbit. And I said, "Well, I shot it. I really. Uh, we're gonna go skin it right now and, and and butcher it up." And she said, "I said I really want to eat it, even if it's not good. I want to eat it." Yeah. And she ended up making this jackrabbit pizza for, for so the lunch good. of the following it was really day. Good. And I was, was very amazing. disappointed, by the way, because I did not know anything about this rabbit shooting that was gonna happen. <laughs> like we are going out, we're going to hunt, and like. You know, we were actually coming back, and we saw some birds and decided we were going to hunt these birds, so we got out. We didn't actually put any dogs on the ground, um, and uh, Edgar and another guy who was with us went out, and they go out, and I saw birds flush. I saw a shot, then I saw a second shot. I was like, oh, he must have, he got it. He got the bird, because they're going over with that march of, like, going to pick up something that had been shot. The march? Yeah, the march of, like, we were, you know, that, that march of, like, I have the spot where I saw the thing shot and I need to walk straight to it because if I look away, I'll turn it. back and I won't know where it is. Yeah. So it's that like purpose that you're like, Ch-ch-ch-ch. and so it, they came back and I was like, oh, they got they got a bird. And he comes back with this jackrabbit. <laughs> and I'm like, we shot a jackrabbit. <laughs> and, but I have to admit, it was delicious. Um, I didn't have anything to do with it. I may have like said, you're on your own with that thing right there. Jackrabbit pizza. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. try this. Yeah. Well, it was good. But West Texas reminds you that you've been there because you're pulling thorns out. You know, oh, like you work really hard. A month hard. later. You work really hard out there. And, you know, that was that was the first, that was your hosted trip. That was yep. that was Edgar going from entering the world of dove hunting to deer hunting to up upland hunting with dogs to then um, utilizing his vehicle, his brand to to co-host a trip with us in West Texas and and open that door to bring out more people who had never done that type of hunting. They'd hunted, but they'd never done that type of hunting. It was a cool full circle thing. So Josh, in, in a previous podcast that we just recorded, you talked about your first experience hunting deer that was not mentored. Mm-hmm. You were out here on your own. Mm-hmm. No one was helping you. Mm-hmm. And, and this sounds like the opposite experience. I hope so. Okay. Yeah. So why is that important to you to, to do that? You know, um, beyond the fact of the great friendship that Edgar and I have had and all the adventures that we've gone on together and, um, and gaining a friend out of the experience, that's, that's the most meaningful thing. But to me, to see Edgar be able to go from, no, I don't want to shoot a deer to shooting a deer and then having the skills to process it and hopefully the desire to come back and do it again this year. Yeah, um, once a year is fine with me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right now. <laughs> but but you know, to, to to be able to to be there for somebody and usher them in, I think is it, it's great. It makes 
it makes me feel like the property that this piece of land is being utilized and um, and leveraged in a way that can carry beyond just what happens on it because now Edgar has this understanding and can take that message forward to more people um, and, and it makes me feel like the efforts that, that I'm taking here are going to pay back in exponential dividends and that's that's meaningful so what is it meant to you Edgar to be mentored by Josh I mean I was it was really unexpected I did not think that um, and not to make it, it I didn't think it was gonna be so easy uh, and I think that's part of what Josh's mission is is not necessarily to to mentor every person that wants to learn how to hunt but maybe inspire other people to do that so that they can be there like they can like maybe there's another hunter that says well, you know what I want to I want to meet one person a year and maybe take him out in the field and and that per it might work out might not work out so for me it was it was not the French everything got kind of like bundled into this relationship because it started out as obviously we didn't know each other and we have this bonding experience of hanging out and shooting dove uh, on opening day and then obviously he's got this beautiful ranch and I love to fish so he's like let's go fishing and dabbing and uh, the three of us are all just hanging out doing spending time and probably talking four times a week minimum and so not only did I get a friend out of this experience but then you know he does put his mentor hat on where he's like okay so no messing around here let's this is what we've got to do or this is what you need to accomplish in order to get to this place and so it's been it, it's been everything for me because like i like i referenced that photograph that he took of me after i shot that deer that person would be what i would think would be like what was going to happen if i went and shot a deer on my own is thinking now what do i do and maybe not going back and doing it again because Maybe it was too difficult. Maybe I didn't understand what I was getting myself into. And having a mentor and having a team around me that's going to be very, um, very giving of their time to and generous with like, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to, this is how you're going to, we're going to cut this, this, this piece here, make it, it was just incredible. So that, and then the, it, I mean, I'm, I'm glossing over the, the, the dove hunting or the, the quail hunting and the pheasant hunting and the experience I've gained from that because, um, our brand has been really wanting to be uh, very con con conservation forward and always keep that in our narrative because it's really important that any business that, I mean, this is my opinion, any business that makes money from, from, the, from the wild, from the wilderness and from the outdoors should at least try to give back to that, to keep that um, resource giving. And so I've seen a lot of that being melded into place with my relationship with Josh, understanding where he's coming from um, learning his background and then seeing him where he's at now and then also the other friends and the other people that, and even being part of you know of, of, your, of your program to understand more about conservation and how much it's going to impact us so it's been great to have him be kind of like that mentor or being that mentor to kind of usher me into this I think a new chapter in my life where it's not just about going to the grocery store buying a steak and walking to the grill throwing it on the grill it's like I can go to the freezer, grab a cut of meat, remember where that meat came from and, and appreciate it. And even my family, they're like, this is cool that you did this. And you know what I think is another thing I want to add is from my perspective, being able to watch Edgar as an artist. So I am not an artist. 
I appreciate art. I appreciate artists. But being able to watch him as an artist extend this experience into his art form, um, which is his brand, is part of his art form, and, and see these outdoor reflections, this his Upland series, watching these things roll out and watching his artistic take on it has been really, really cool. You know what else strikes me is just um, friendship. You know, making friends, I, and I think about just personally, the, the friends that I have, the longtime friends. I've got friends from high school. I have friends from like my first job when I was in a newsroom in Austin in the 80s that are still my dear friends. It's hard to make friends the older, you, I think, the older you get. And so that's the other thing I'm kind of reflecting on here is just the friendship that has blossomed. Yeah, and, and it's been a great friendship. I mean, we, we've we traveled on several experiences together. The last one, we went to Georgia and built bamboo fly rods together. And the tables got to be turned. The, the <laughs> maker and the artist got to watch me struggle. Uh, I mean, okay, so I, tell us about that. I know we, we just <laughs> recorded a podcast right before this one and you were fishing with this said fly rod. Yeah, my, my oyster bamboo fly rod that I made um a work of art no doubt it is it is pretty amazing it's kind of surreal because because yeah. bill oyster is like your mentor during this course because yeah. it's not just teaching you it's like he's he's informing you and he's walking you through these things that i mean you're you don't think it's possible because you, you literally are handed a bamboo uh stock yeah, yeah. shoot yeah that's been cut in half lengthwise and you got to begin the process of turning this into a beautiful crafted fly rod that needs to perform. And so Josh had had that set up and I was lucky enough to be part of that as well because um, I've done co uh, collaborations with Oyster Bamboo. And so um, they gave me an opportunity to go out there with them. It was cool. Um, and it was really Inter really interesting but as a maker i was always the last one finished because i just couldn't because yeah, well, you were taking your you were like you know it was interesting so my kids bought that rod class for me as um a father's day present a year ago and so i'd been waiting a year to go and to me it was impactful because you know i like i said i i taught myself how to fly fish i bought a fly rod i didn't have that mentor so here is my are my kids and and that extends into you know, not having a, a, a father figure really around extends into, my mom wasn't into using tools, so I didn't have that parent. And not everybody who has two parents also has that, but like I just, in my mind, had always envisioned that as here's this, this part that's missing. So here I am going to make something that I'm ultimately gonna hand down to my kids and be able to mentor them with and fill this gap. And then being able to go with my friend Edgar, you know, so I, I knew that Edgar had done a lot of work with with Shannon and Bill, and they were good friends of his as well. And I was like, "Hey, do you think you can, you think you can make it out to this?" And he was kind of like, "I just came back from doing this and this. I don't know." <laughs> and and then he was like, "Yeah." And then it was like, "Can there's there space?" And it yeah. all just lined up. And so here we are sharing a workbench, you know, that we're we're looking at each other during this experience. With you start with a 12 foot bamboo stalk, like Edgar said. And they cut that in half, and there's a rod made out of each half. And so we, though he had one half of that stock, I had the other half of that stock, and here we were work, working on this project together. And for six days. Yeah, eight to ten hours a day. Yeah, 
It wasn't like... That'll test any friendship, right? <laughs> oh, you have no idea. <laughs> okay, so now here is a $64,000 question. Did you catch any fish with it? Uh, well, not on that trip yeah. because I had to go. I flew back uh, home. Okay. <laughs> but I got to take it to... Um, there was a fishing tournament in uh, Biscayne Bay, which uh, was put on by Bonefish Tarpon Trust. And we work with them too. And we were a uh, sponsor of this tournament. So I, I, I actually went out and practice cast on, on a river with no fly on there because I didn't want to catch anything. I really wanted to catch bonefish on it. And so the first fish I caught on it, this is a week and a half, two weeks ago, was, um, was a little barracuda. And then a little uh, mangrove snapper. And then at the very end, I caught my bonefish. And it was very, it was really exciting. Because <laughs> A, the rod didn't break. And a bonefish takes off. They're very, very um, speedy. And they're, they'll, they'll, they'll really test equipment. And the fact that I was able to go from like building this rod to actually catching a bonefish on it was was surreal. It was like, kind of cool. I'm like, wow. <laughs> can't believe I did that. So It's a deeper level, I think, when you're fishing with a rod that you that you made you know um i caught a trout um that with weekend, that rod. Right? yeah after you left i stayed a little bit longer and went trout fishing and caught some trout and then i fished it on the blanco and caught some guadalupe bass down here <laughs> maybe a few sunfish it's all good <laughs> yeah. yeah well thank you both for taking the time to talk with us i think uh, you know the the concept of mentoring is such an important deal. It's why the Parks and Wildlife Foundation has made the investment in Stewards of the Wild and all the mentored experiences that we're doing. I know you both have been involved in that and we, we appreciate you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you for letting us be part of it. Brought to you by Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, We Will Not Be Tamed calls us all to appreciate the wildness of Texas, the vastness of our Texas spirit, and why we should be inspired to conserve it. Find out more at wewillnotbetamed.org.